bonus, if you want to listen to hear us talk about nothing and bitch about retail, then uh, tune in Friday. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, we'll it's go ahead and get started. Big belly point. All right, give me a few seconds of silence and we'll uh, start off the new podcast era. That fourth and short, didn't I you? I knew you were going to do so, it. So, for those of you listening, and we've been hinting at this for a while, um, obviously it's BW's fault that it's taken this so long, but we have rebranded the fourth and short podcast because we have moved to a new one where now we can put the podcast up on Google and iTunes, and I believe you can also find it on Spotify. Um, so our new podcast... You should be able to, even though... Real quick, in the post where they like announced it that John posted, they didn't change the link. So if you click the Spotify link in our original post, it takes you to the Steelers Spotify page. That's not us. Yeah, that is not us. But I assume we're also on Spotify. Oh. But yes, we have been rebranded as the Keep Sounding Podcast. Much better name, in my opinion. Shout out to Stevie Mercury for that one. <laughs> um, so yeah, we have a new bit of an initiative here to bring you some Panthers coverage. We're going to try to do it twice a week. Um, make it more available. Obviously, we've already. You say that as if that's not what we've already been doing. Shut up, John. <laughs> yeah, Brian, we've been doing <laughs> twice a week for Shut a while. Up, um, so we obviously made it more available, and hopefully, you guys enjoy. Um, we also have a couple new recording outlets. The experience a little better, but anyway, I'm joined here by John and Brad. Welcome to the Keep Sounding Podcast. How are you guys doing tonight? Pretty swell. Pretty swell. Good. Pretty good. good. Pretty swell. So speaking of doing pretty good, the Panthers are doing pretty good. They just beat the Bengals 31-21 on Sunday. Not Was not expecting that. Yeah. You weren't? The Panthers are officially the dominant cat species. And Charlotte is officially the Queen City. Yes. Can't forget that. Charlotte is so officially that, the Queen City. On, the real uh, one. We've had that in limbo since 2016 when the two teams tied. So glad we finally put our mark on that one. Beat those Bengals. Goddamn millennials. (laughs) (laughs) What? Youngest team by... I don't know what millennials have to do with the Battle of the Queen Cities, but okay. You know, hey, if it works, it works. We talked about it last week. They are the youngest team on average in the NFL. Around twenty-five, they're avocado toast-eating freaking oh, millennials. Okay. So, okay, deal with it. Hey, I mean, I'm down to make fun of millennials all day, Brian. I just, I just didn't get you where you were going there. Like... Yeah, and Brian, you are a millennial. a millennial. That's what makes this so funny. It's different. You're the most millennial person. 
on if our you're taking side. friendly fire here. You're by far the most Molino person on our on the masthead for I sure. I don't know about that. Yes, it's not <laughs> even close. I don't like avocados. So at least there's that. Well, it's because they're gross. It's the right exactly. call. <laughs> yeah, they they're terrible. <laughs> they're absolutely <laughs> terrible. All three of us hate avocados. That's pretty funny. Hot dogs are sandwiches, though. Anyway, so. Uh, People give me shit about that, too. too. It's weird. People are like, you don't like avocado? And I'm like, no, I don't like avocado. It looks and tastes and looks and feels like baby (laughs) shit. I don't want to eat it. It tastes like baby shit. I just, I don't look at it. The other thing is like, is it? It looks like Is it it. the taste or the texture? Both? Like, (laughs) Both. Everything about it. You said like baby shit and it just tastes bad. (laughs) Yeah. And I've tried to like it. It's not like I've. I've given up on it. I've, I've, I've made it into guacamole. I've added spices to it. I, I've done all kinds of things. It's just, it's bad. Like there's nothing redeemable guacamole. about it. And it's, it's weird because like you buy an avocado and it's, it's, it's not even ripe and ready to go. It's like hard as a, a <laughs> fucking rock. And it's like, nope, not ready to be eaten yet. Nope, not ready to be eaten yet. And then five minutes later, sorry, I'm rotten. You missed your opportunity. You know, there's there's no way to tell when you can even eat the damn you, thing. I'm ripe now, and then an hour later, it's done. <laughs> yes, I'm ready. It's they're still gross when it's made in uh, guacamole too. I don't know if you guys agree with that take or not. I do agree with that take for the most part. I've had guacamole from one place that I like. <laughs> I've never had guacamole that I like. That's it. I like guacamole. I and I mean, the only reason I like this, the guacamole I like, I don't really love it. I just, I can tolerate it. Yeah. And that's it. It's terrible. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's just, it's bad. And if you like avocado, you have a bad opinion about food. I was trying to figure out a good you way can't to be trusted. avocado and guacamole being shit into the Panthers game on sun, past Sunday, but, uh, really, really. well, the Bengals are the youngest team. Andy Dalton probably likes the Bengals are the youngest team in the NFL, so they probably like avocados. And Andy Dalton and totally likes avocado. The Panthers defense shoved that avocado down his throat after they uh, sacked him what four times and picked him off three. Other, oh, I think it's the other way. Yes, out. picked I him off four. Actually, pad in his stats interception. I, I apologize. Um, <laughs> don't you forget it. Don't you forget. So. I, did you see Captain Munnerlyn's quote about yeah, that? Was... Yeah, I was going to bring that up. That's my favorite thing about the whole game. Captain Munnerlyn's bitter because Luke Keekley stole an interception from him. <laughs> Luke and That's his great. Have himself having to steal the interception from me. To be fair, he hasn't picked a, go- a ball off in like two years. So, Maybe. Captain Munnerlyn. And also, to be fair, I got to give my boy some credit. He still is the Panthers' all-time franchise yep. leader in picks. That's, pick that's the good thing that Keekley didn't let him take it because that would have hurt his his mark of taking like eight interceptions for five touchdowns or whatever insane ratio it is. Yeah, he's got. I think he's got eight career interceptions in Carolina, and five of them are pick sixes. Like, can't beat that rate. <laughs> so, so he should send Luke a thank you card. While we're talking about really relevant Luke Keekley things. Did you guys notice, was it just me, but when he left the game to get the IV, did he look real fat? No. Did you guys, yeah, no, yeah, notice that? No, I don't pay that much attention to that kind of stuff. But. <laughs> it was just like, 
maybe like hopefully one person listening to this will know what I'm talking about. But me and my friend were both sitting there like, and Luke is looking bloated right now when he was going back to the locker room to get an IV. Saying he was hungover? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> saying he was dehydrated and needed an IV. I'm not trying to insinuate uh-huh. anything. Uh-huh. So speaking to the Panthers' performance, um, so they did not allow a 100-yard rusher this time. So that was good. Giovanni Bernard was still still ran for, I believe, five and a half yards per carry, but most of that came on a couple chunk runs. Um, he also put up 17.9 fantasy points. <laughs> Just real quick, on the Captain Munderland, he has uh, seven career interceptions with the Panthers and five touchdowns. And four... Oh, so it's even better than I thought. As far as I can tell, maybe five, maybe all five are in a row. But for sure, his last four interceptions have all been touchdowns. Well, good for him. Doesn't he only have like 12 in his entire career? Because he only had like four in Minnesota or five in Minnesota. Total for his career. So he's still almost at 50%, (laughs) even if you add his his whole career. That's pretty good. So. I can see why we put him at like punt returner for a while because you know he's got that you got the run back. He's got ability. that ball. He's got that uh, nose for the end zone, as they say. Uh, sure does. Well, it's the fact that he's only like five foot three. He's like the Muggsy Bogues of the NFL, and nobody can see him. <laughs> true. He's also deceptively quick. Deceptively quick. That's true. No, that's, that's true. Colin Jones. Oh God. So. To give a brief rundown on how the Panthers' defense fared against the Bengals, um, obviously we mentioned the four interceptions, and the th- there's three sacks total. Two sacks. It was two sacks. I looked it up. It was Abada had one, and Addison had one. Yeah, one of them was one of them was taken away because Dalton was throwing the ball. Like Abada uh, had right. a strip sack, yeah. but they took it away was, from him. Yeah. They also uh, knocked AJ Green out of the game. After he only caught five passes for 58 yards, and I think like, I think that the one of those receptions went for 31 yards, and it wasn't against James Bradbury. So that means that Bradbury is only responsible for four receptions for 27 yards, which is pretty good. To be fair, that he he racked those numbers up pretty quick though. Like, he left the game in like the first half, of the early third quarter. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So he was he was yeah. playing well. We were not shutting him down. We we got lucky yeah. that he got hurt. But yeah, to to spotlight F.A. Obata, uh, he was a surprising active for the Panthers. We I believe it was I forget who it was in our Slack chat who pointed it out, but I think maybe it was Billy. But uh, he went active over Marquise Haynes, and we were all kind of like, "Well, that's weird." And he proceeded to have a sack, almost another strip sack, a pass deflection, and an interception. How about that? So, uh, we'll start with him. I want to say... Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I do want to say, as cool of a story it is, as it is, we need to be careful to not equate the awesome story with him being a superstar player. Um, Hopefully he'll become a good player. But, like, he had he had a one sack and an interception on a tip ball. Like, he's not... Super cool story. Hopefully he'll be con- a consistent contributor. But uh, it's not quite time to call him like the, the answer to all our pass rush yeah, problems. Yeah, and a, 
So you're saying I should I should not I should call the hotel in Canton, Ohio, and like cancel my reservation? Uh, put it on hold. Yeah, maybe cancel it. I mean, there'll still be a Hall of Fame. Put it on hold. Okay. I don't think he's going to be Ryan Delaire. I don't think this is going to be a situation where he's like does nothing else for the rest of his career. Uh, but you know, John's right. We can't expect him to do what he did on Sunday every time he goes out because he only played yeah. 19 snaps and that's, you know, he's not going to get, you know, a forced fumble, a sack, an interception, a tip ball. No, he's not going to do that every day. I don't think anybody is. <laughs> um, you're right. I was going to bring up Ryan Dallaire actually, because uh, I think the difference here is that Ryan Dallaire did that against, I think he was, I think the tackle he was against was like a guy where he got two sacks in his first game and all he did was speed rush the guy. It was actually against his former team. Like it was. That's yeah. why he knew the he knew the team. Where it was Obata, Washington. I mean, that's that's a good production for a seventeen snap play, and I think that Caroline doesn't need him to be anything more than that, more than like a relatively productive rotational defensive end. But again, great story, and he seems to have a similar skill set to someone like Mario Addison or Marquise Haynes as a speed rusher. And he's got certainly very good athleticism, but just wanted to highlight that because that was a great story. Um, as far as the rest of the defense goes, um, Dante Jackson with two picks. He is currently tied for the lead in the league with three picks in the first three games. So, and I thought he overall played well as far as tackling went too. He seems like the only guy actually like do something with the 10 yard cushions they like to play. Might be because he's you know the fastest player on the field most of the time, but um, Brad, what are your thoughts on Dante Jackson? I really, really like Dante Jackson. He is probably going to win Defensive Rookie of the Year. Don't at me; it's going to happen. Uh, he's going to have probably <laughs> twenty interceptions if he keeps going at this rate. Um, you know, he has three in three games. He he actually is much, much better than I thought he was going to be. I thought he would just be kind of like Josh Norman, where it would take a year or two or even three before we really benefited from drafting him. Uh, but he looks like a superstar in the making. Like, all kidding aside, he looks the part. Uh, he He's very fast. He's very aggressive. He doesn't back down. He doesn't. He doesn't care, like, if he's outmatched. You know, he just gets out there and he plays. And I really, really like that. And I'm glad that we drafted him. Yeah, and most of the issues he seemed to have are have just been, like, some technique issues or some just kind of awareness issues. Nothing that's like, oh, he's just physically outmatched. Like, he tracks the ball well. Obviously, he's got the speed to burn. Like, he's he has all the tools he needs, and it just seems like he needs some refinement. It's not like – it's not a situation – where like Kevon Seymour, where it's just like he just cannot break fast enough to make plays, and he just can't track the ball in the air and stuff like that. Apparently, like Daryl Worley had that issue. Well, the nice thing working out for him is the fact that even if he does get beat, yeah. he can run a four three forty. So he's like yeah. fast enough where it's not as game breaking as a uh, you know Daryl Worley getting beat. So, but yeah, the Panthers seem mm-hmm. to have themselves quite a nice tandem right now. At a defensive back, I mean Bradbury's. Despite AJ Green leaving the game early, he's had a relatively good first three games. Um, 
He deflected three passes against the uh, Bengals. He also had a really nice one-on-one tackle with Giovanni Bernard. Um, so it seems like they finally have two starter caliber corners instead of just throwing about throwing darts at the wall and hoping one of them sticks now. So what what do we think about that? Well, I just got a breaking news alert. I think you pretty much breaking nailed news, it. Uh, Bashad Breland, former Panther great, um, signed with Green Bay, so that's off the table. So it's a good thing we have seem to have uh, the cornerback solution in place. Quarterback spot lockdown. Yeah. Obviously, nickel corner is uh, maybe eh. a little more. Yeah, sh- I mean, like, shake here. I, did, I will say, I will point out at one point. Captain Muller yeah. somehow bulldozed a right tackle course an incompletion, which I was I found to be quite impressive. So his blitzing strat his skill is still there, but it seems like they really Yeah, it's That's like the one thing. It seems he like can they're do gonna have to start trying blitz. to find his replacement like soon. Well I think that's what Corn Elder is supposed Actually, to be. Actually I would I would say Colin Jones, to be honest. I think once he's once he's okay, Colin. Okay, actually, you're both wrong. It's Lorenzo Doss. <laughs> Lorenzo okay? Doss, the greatest defensive back of all time, according to Panthers fans in training camp. Picked off Cam Newton twice. But, speaking of great, that one practice. Speaking of wrong opinions about the greatest defensive backs, Colin Jones was very bad yesterday. I thought, or Saturday, Jesus. Sunday. I thought. Sunday. Well, he was he was very bad Saturday <laughs> and yesterday too. But he was he was bad. Sunday, I said yeah. in my Saturday. I said in my he Saturday he led the team in in times chasing after an open receiver who got who burned him. Like it just seemed like every play, like Tyler Boyd long touchdown, Colin Jones is chasing after him. There's another long play, Colin Jones is chasing after him. He just always like three steps behind as a receiver runs open down the field. So Brad, do you do you want to do? You- yeah, and I mean. Fair, fair play to Colin Jones. Fair play to him. He's doing a job that he's not mm-hmm. equipped to do, that he's being asked to do anyway. So, who, because the coaching staff is being yeah. stubborn. Do we want to go? It's ahead not and, uh, Colin Jones' fault. Our initiative right now, as far as CSR goes, right now, Brad, I'll, I think I'll let you uh, do the honors of that. <laughs> yes, you know. If you watched the Panthers play on Sunday against the Bengals and you saw Colin Jones chasing literally every wide receiver that he covered, you will know that the answer to the problem of not having a quality starting safety is not on the roster. We lost Denoris Searcy to a concussion. The only safeties we have left are Colin Jones, Mike Adams, and Rashawn Golden. Mike Adams is 103 years old, Rashawn Golden is a rookie, and Colin Jones is terrible. Yeah, we say he's the ace that runs the place, and we do all that stuff. We're trolling you when we do that. I hope you know that, and if you don't, now you do. He's garbage. Well, I don't want to say garbage, but he's not good at playing safety. He's good at playing special teams, and that's it. There's a guy... Sitting at home right now, what if I told you, we should be a 30 for 30 special on this, what if I told you there's a guy sitting at home right now who will sign a veteran cheap deal, he's 26 years old, he's a good player, he would make this team better, and we could get him tomorrow for relatively little money. 
I would. You would be all for that, I right? Don't, I don't even know how either to one of you. Know. Like answers on the yeah, practice okay. floor, not the roster. Yeah, I mean it's 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 beyond shameful at this point, and I'm going to switch to being real for a minute. It, you know, and if you don't know this, I'm talking about Eric Reed. There is absolutely no excuse for Eric Reed to not have a job. I know that there there is a certain subset of fans who don't like that we talk about this so much and have asked us to stop. I'm not going to. I'm sorry. Eric Reed deserves to be employed by an NFL team, and it should be the Panthers. We need somebody like him. We need a safety. We cannot keep going with... First of all, we can't keep going with three guys. It doesn't matter who those three guys are. You need four to have a proper rotation. So we got to bring somebody in anyway. And, you know, yeah, Desmond Southward is nice. He knows the team. He's been here for two or three years, bounced back and forth from the practice squad. That's all well and good. That's not good enough. If you're willing to compete, if you want to win a division that has Drew Brees, Matt Ryan, and Ryan Fitzmagic in it. You cannot settle for Desmond's outward coming off the practice squad. You've got to get quality. And whether you agree with his political stance or not, that doesn't make two shits difference. It's about him on the football field and what he can do on the football field. That's what matters. And, you know, Ron Rivera, Marty Herney, if you're listening to this podcast, because I'm sure you do, um, sign Eric Reed. It's really not that hard. Just sign Eric Reed. That solves your problem. You don't have to call somebody up. You don't have to have tryouts. You don't have to just bring the man in. Torrey Smith wants him on the team. Let him vouch for him. Torrey Smith seems to be a pretty good dude. And, you know, just bring him in. It's don't make it harder than it has to be. I have be. a second suggestion, and that would be uh, give old uh, Schneider a call up in Seattle. I can't remember his first name. See what uh, what they'll what they'll take for Earl Thomas. And I'm fine with that too. Yeah, you know if if you don't want to sign Eric Reed because you don't want the media circus, because it. I will concede that point. There's going to be a media shit show, no matter who signs him. That's just the way the media works. Counterpoint. Everybody, you know, don't blame the media for being the media. I have a counterpoint. That's just the way they do. Nobody talks about the Panthers enough. So maybe we want that. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, it will. Yeah. We'll be in the news. Hey. Um, but you know, the, the, the other option is to trade for Earl Thomas. If you're willing to give up a first-round pick, then just trade for Earl Thomas. He's the best player that you can get. It's it's expensive, but you can do that. You know, and people have said, well, what about this player? What about that player? None of them are any good. Like Mike Mitchell. If Mike Mitchell were still playable, he would have already been signed. The fact that we haven't called him yet should tell you everything you need to know. We... He's been here before, so he knows the system. He still hasn't been picked up. Like, they called Desmond Southward instead of Mike Mitchell. So that's probably not going to happen for whatever reason. <laughs> They'll sign him tomorrow. He did but, like that. Um, he did. He did. Yeah, he did like well, that tweet. That so, yes. Um, 
for context, for those Explain who are listening, to the listeners um, if they don't <laughs> Joe Pearson tweeted about how um, Ron Rivera said they're happy with what they have on the roster, and that Eric Reed basically wasn't in the cards, was kind of the undertone of that tweet, and Mike Mitchell liked that tweet, which I found to be a little interesting. It means he's watching, and probably waiting for waiting for a phone call, if I were to guess. It's very interesting. He is watching. It's juicy. He's not, he wasn't mentioned at all. Yeah. In the nope. So he's, he's on the list. Yeah. The thing that gets me is I understand that Ron is going to protect his guys. Like I don't, I don't expect anything different from Ron. Like he's not going to say, "Yeah, Colin Jones is shit." We're not going to. We got to solve. He's not going to do that. I get that, but you know, don't just say, "I like my guys. We're happy where we are." You can't say that after watching Andy fucking Dalton shred us, you know, Tyler Boyd wide open down the field. How many times did that happen? It was at least three. Um, you know, you can't say you're happy with that. You just, you can't do it. Yeah. Well, that's safety play hasn't been great. No, I mean, we honestly, we got lucky that A.J. Green got hurt because if A.J. Green would have still been there, we would have lost. I firmly believe that. The other thing I want to point out about our defense that. is that we still allowed like six and a half yards per play. Um, we we banked pretty heavily on the turnovers. We did all right on third downs, which we've done all year. But, yeah, we're pretty, pretty dependent on the turnovers, and depending on turnovers is not a good recipe for a good defense season long because turnovers are pretty cool. No, it, it's it's not sustainable at all. And we also benefited from Cincinnati being really bad yeah. at converting on third down. So, I believe, if if I remember correctly, the Kevin Harlan and Rich Gannon pointed out that they're last in the league at yeah, doing are. that. So we, you know, it it helped us. It helped us out that they're bad at something, and we yeah. were able no, to take I'm, advantage so of it. Hopefully, we'll we'll the um we'll do the patented Ron Rivera wake up in November and December. And the defense will find its way. They've been a little, sh- and then the, the the Falcons and Bengals have very good offenses, to be fair. But the defense has looked a little. It looks like it's it it's going to be a yeah. good unit at best, but certainly not like the the dominant defense like we had in like 2013. Right. Well, could you imagine having the 2013 defense with this North Turner offense? I was just about to segue into the offense, so yeah. Thank you. Appreciate your contributions and everything well, I did you do for this you, podcast. Um, so, Panthers' offense has actually looked really good, and yeah. they've been multifaceted, and they've made adjustments. Um, so, for the most part, in the first two weeks, a lot of throwing with Cam Newton underneath. Uh, not a whole lot of running with Christian McCaffrey between the tackles, like a little bit. I mean, they mix it in there here and there. Um, C.J. Anderson got a few touches, but for the most part, it was just underneath passing to open up the deeper passing game, I guess. But this game, they they may pulled a hard 180. They went 28 carries for Christian McCaffrey for 184 yards of rushing, which was easily a career high by like 120 yards in rushing. Um, Cam Newton also ran the ball 10 times for 36 yards and two touchdowns. They he only had to throw the ball twenty four times. He got one hundred and fifty yards and two touchdowns, still maintaining a solid completion percentage. Um, 
What a very different offense we saw. I don't know. He, he got close yeah. to that 60. What a, what a very different offense. Yeah, he was getting dangerously close. Promising. Um, yes. John, I'll start with you. Yeah, it was a very heavy passing offense, and all of a sudden they just ran the ball down a very good rushing defense's throats. So what are your thoughts on that? Um, Christian McCaffrey's only a slot receiver. Well, that is true. Just like just like Curtis Samuel. <laughs> <laughs> yep. He can't oh, run I, between I the tackles. I point out that Christian McCaffrey, with his career high, 184 yards, is also uh, – 46 more yards than anybody else has ever ru- has rushed for it in any of the first three weeks of the NFL season. Really? So it's the season I. It's also fourth all time in Panthers history yeah, the other, the for rushing yards in one rushing game. Rushing yardage total from a game this year is 138 by Matt Breida in week wow. two. Um, so yeah, McCaffrey's got got the stranglehold on that title. He's also third in the league in rushing, which is pretty cool, and he's three yards behind Ezekiel Elliott and. Everyone's favorite to lead the league in rushing, Matt Breida. You, and the funny thing is, too, like, there's always that argument, well, they had a long run there that, that stretched out their stats, but McCaffrey's longest run was 45 yards. That would still put him at 139 yards on the game, which would still be a very solid rushing performance. And I mentioned this in the Slack chat earlier, but the Panthers on film, at least with the Norv Turner, Cam Newton offense, haven't really put a lot of, like, devotion to the run on film prior to playing Cincinnati. So that must have been a a major, like, 180 as far as, like, play calling goes. Like, they were ex- probably expecting Cam Newton to throw the ball a lot to McCaffrey in the flat, a lot more passing, and he only threw 24 passes where they just – they ran the ball 41 times this game. So it's really, it's really weird to see an offense where we do different things each week, uh, depending on the game situation. And I was shook. I literally, I literally, uh, I literally fell off my bed and just like laid there for yeah, a minute. Yeah, I love it. After I saw, after I saw <laughs> the rushing attempts eclipse the uh, passing attempts. That's just nuts. It's, <clears throat> it's, it's nice to see that North Turner actually <laughs> adjusts his game plan each week instead of just saying. And as we've mentioned before, this is the play. This is the game plan. We're sticking to this game plan. And like, I will give it to Mike Shula. He had those like those really beautiful one-off play calls where it was like perfect and exploited defense for a touchdown. Good example would be Christian McCaffrey's decoy play against the Patriots of Week Three of last year, where Fozzie Whitaker ended up being the guy scoring. North Turner did something like that in this game with C.J. Anderson, where C.J. Anderson ran in for a touchdown passing, but he didn't then run the ball into the gut of the defense the entire game either. So it's it's refreshing and also a weird place to be. I, I don't know how to feel about that. I do. Excited. Excited, yep. I love it. I'm just glad that we don't expect to go out there on on first down every single time and run it up the middle for two yards. Like there's a chance we'll throw it deep. There's a chance we'll run a screenplay. There's a chance we will just run it up the middle for two yards, but we have more variety yep. now. And, uh, and I like variety. That, there were a total of seven different receivers who caught passes from Cam Newton on his 15 completions, which is also good, in my opinion, because whenever Cam Newton spreads the ball around, he does pretty well. Um, there were some missed opportunities. Uh, Devin Punch just dropped a couple of, you know, 
passes that I would have liked to have seen him reel in. I think he could have. Uh, Torrey Smith also had a couple drops. Um, but overall, it seems like they're doing a good job of not putting it all on one guy in the passing game, which we've seen a lot in the Mike Shula era, whether it was Kelvin Benjamin or Devin Funches last year. They're starting to spread the ball around quite a lot. I mean, like, Jarius Wright was a huge deal in the first two weeks. He was very involved in the passing offense. He only had one reception for seven yards this week on one target. So, and I I wasn't taking that away from him or saying it was a big play though. He got a first down. Yeah, it's just nice to see. Oh, I know you are. I just wanted to point that out. Like they will have a game plan for that team and adjust it as necessary, which. You know, seems like common sense, but to Panthers fans, that's just it's like we're it's like we're rewriting the book on football right now. So we think this is going to be sustained for the whole season, right? We we definitely hope so. I mean, the big the big thing for me, we hope so, is that the offensive line is held up surprisingly well. Um, and I think that will have a yes. lot sustained or not because it's not like most passing concepts in the NFL aren't good or don't have or don't have merit to them. But when you have an offensive line that keeps your quarterback protected enough that he can make those passes, that that definitely helps. And this patchwork offensive line has surprisingly done that. So I think that they, it could be sustained. I definitely think so, just because you don't face a lot of better fronts than you see in Cincinnati and Dallas, and they did relatively well against them. Yeah, I guess Atlanta's front four is not anything to, to sneeze at I don't at understand either. why they put – I don't understand and, uh, why they had Kenley. Beasley spying Cam Newton most of that game. But, yeah, you're right. But I guess we'll find out because after the bye, we have the Giants. Who are, eh. But then we have the Redskins and Eagles back-to-back who have good def- and the Ravens. So that will, I think, really be the test to see if this offense is good or not. Don't downplay the Dave Gettleman-Mike Shula revenge games, uh, game now. I'll downplay that. I'll downplay that to my grave. This would normally be the time where we would talk about predictions, but the Panthers can't lose this Sunday because they're on a bye. Um, so any lasting thoughts that you guys have? Anything you want to bring up before we uh, get this thing closed down? Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, whatever you use to listen to your podcast. Please hit the button and subscribe. Uh, give you us a chance. You- I think you'll like us. <laughs> You say to the people Especially that are already listening to us right now. Um, we're happy to see the podcast go this way. Really happy for anybody who's been listening and continue to listen with us. Feel free to share with your friends. Let them know that you it as well. Um, but from all of us here at the Keep Sounding podcast, uh, we will talk to you next week, most likely. Um, and to give you some lasting words of uh, wisdom. <laughs> um, sometimes the your first option doesn't always work out but it's good to have a backup plan and I think that's what the plan was with this Panthers offensive line so in your life just remember that having a backup plan sometimes ends up being the best plan whether it's a girlfriend a job, whatever sometimes having an offensive line where your starters go down and your backups come in and they end up playing better hey it worked out. That's because you had a backup plan. 
Those are words from wisdom here from Brian Beversluis for you. Keeps the football, takes off to the end zone for the touchdown. He takes the handoff and he scores. Avoided the Dolphins behind the line of scrimmage and took it in for the first touchdown of the night. Newton keeps, lowers his shoulder and takes it in for the touchdown. On second and goal, shuttle pass for Caffrey. Touchdown. And off dive for Jonathan Stewart and he's in for a touchdown. That's intercepted by Keeping. He has more of those than any linebacker in the league over the last five years. You know. It is good. And Carolina gets a road win in New England.